Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the 21 News Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Justin Mitchell. A late entry, as it were, into the race to fill the Senate seat currently held by Rob Portman. Now, we've spoken to him before, but when he was exploring running, now... He's in. State Senator Matt Dolan has added his name to the already crowded field of Republicans vying for the seat, and he's with us today to talk about why he thinks he'll stand out. Senator Matt Dolan, good to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Senator, uh, the way I begin all of these podcasts, we've talked to every one of the candidates on both sides, save for one so far, is to just ask you to start by defining yourself as a candidate. How, how, how would you define yourself? Well, great. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I may be new to the race, but I am not new to the opportunities and challenges that face Ohio uh, because of my 31 years as a lawyer, 22 years in the business world, and 15 years as a public servant. I've served in the state house and I've served in the state legislature, and I have directly been, I have directly impacted issues that have improved Ohioans' lives. So, unlike anyone in this race, no one else can point to. Uh, work that has lowered uh, income taxes by 48% since I've been in the legislature, who has adopted President Trump two-for-one regulation relief in, in Ohio. We're the second state to do that. Who has expanded school choice so parents have the control of where their child gets educated. If the school's failing them or they're being indoctrinated, they can pick up and leave. And I'm the only one that has spent effort relentlessly working with people throughout the state, including in the Mahoning Valley, to make sure that they have the proper investments, the proper policies to help grow. And Mahoning Valley's done a wonderful job in that, in, in redeveloping themselves. Uh, they have America Works, they have a lot of great programs. Lordstown's coming back. In large part, that is because of the efforts, me working with your community to make Youngstown work. That distinguishes me from everyone else in the race, that the problems that we're going to face in Washington, I can solve them. I can be part of a solution rather than just being a bomb thrower and saying all the problems. Look, Biden administration is destroying us. It is destroying our economy, our education, our way of life, and its incompetence has killed American soldiers. But it's not enough just to point out his, his, his absolute dereliction of duty. You need to send somebody who can stand for something and make sure you fight for Ohio every single day you're in Washington. Now, you mentioned not just being a bomb thrower was the term you used, which I, I like that. I've used that myself before. Unlike all the other candidates in the GOP side of the race, they're also they're throwing a lot of bombs, anxiously courting Donald Trump's endorsement with uh with no mention from him so far, but your candidacy caught his eye right away because when you announced, the former president immediately said you were the one candidate that he will not endorse in this race. Do you think that's gonna hurt you? I mean, he's really taken over the GOP and you're looking to win a statewide race that is otherwise dominated by Trumpian candidates and seemingly voters. Yeah, I, I'm sure when uh, President Trump maybe has more time and investigates uh, the candidacies for the United States Senate and he sees what I've actually accomplished it kind of mirrors what the Trump agenda was. Like I said, we cut taxes in Ohio. I was the leader of that. We implemented his regulation relief. Myself and Larry Alpaw, former Senate president, were the leaders in that. I'm the only one in the race who has said, you know, when the Republicans controlled everything, the House and the Senate, and we had Donald Trump, 
guess what? We couldn't pass immigration laws. We had to rely on the president to do it by executive order. And we saw how long that lasts. And now we see the crisis we're, we're experiencing. So I believe at the end of the day, uh, voters who like the President Trump administration are going to relate to the efforts and my agenda matches what helped to make the United States great and I've helped make Ohio great. I think it's going to uh, match up. As the only elected official in the race, I understand when you campaign, you campaign for the endorsement of each Ohioan's vote. I'm going to earn those votes and that's the endorsement I'm going to get. Now, do you think, because you are, at least stylistically, taking a different tack from the other Republicans in the race, do you think that the Republican Party has an image issue and needs to potentially take itself back from those who are, you know, say, still pushing lies about a stolen election or defending the insurrection of, the, of, of January 6th or, or some of the real extremist stuff that you see from, from some on the right? Well, I'll let you put adjectives to it. I know this, if the Republican Party does not focus on working together to get the majority back in 2022, we're going to have two more years of the Biden agenda and two more years of the destruction of our country. I am the only candidate singularly focused on that, making sure I get to Washington so I can stop the bleeding, stop the Biden agenda, but more importantly, offer a solution to how America is going to grow, how we're going to be the strongest militarily, how we're going to be the strongest economically, and we will be the moral leader in the world as well. If we're looking to the past, we will fail in the future. I'm the only one focused on what is going to get America moving again. So let's so let's talk about specifics then. What would your top three issues be that if you win, you're, you win the nomination, you win the Senate seat, what are your top three issues and, and how do you get them accomplished? Okay, I mean, I guess I would, I'm going to go broad here and then maybe we can go narrow. But sure. you know, the economic has always been my focus. And the five pillars of, of a great economy are low taxes, less regulation, uh, proper uh, utilities, good infrastructure, and a workforce development and education. So those are the five pillars that I've worked on in Ohio. I would continue to work on those five pillars. Uh, in, a, in the United States Senate. Uh, security is a huge issue. As I said, I would go and make sure that we actually put in law the agenda that was actually working securing our borders. We understood who was coming into our country. We were defining the difference between a migrant who's trying to come in this country because Biden is saying, come here and everything will be free, and immigrants who want to come to this country and enjoy and work hard and live that American dream. So we have to distinct, secure our border, make sure we know who's coming in, but do not do it in a way that we, we lose the inspiration for why our country is so great. So, uh, so national security, local security, make sure our police is afforded. And I think something really unique about me is that I'm going to fight for the Great Lakes region because there is going to be a crisis in this country and that is going to be the avail availability of fresh water. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking climate crisis or not. The reality is the businesses in the Southwest and West are facing rationing waters. And they're going to make a business decision, not a climate decision, a business decision to say, I got to look elsewhere. And that's where we have a great opportunity to grow our economy here in Ohio and the entire Great Lakes. Great Lakes regions are losing representation. So they're gonna, we need a, for Ohio to send a strong voice for what is a 
inherent advantage, economic advantage for Ohio. And let's see that through. Now, if you if you do manage to get the nomination, you'd still have a tough fight in the general election going up against either Tim Ryan or Morgan Harper. Both of them, to different degrees, are stylistically making a similar argument that you are in terms of ignoring some of the heated rhetoric of, say, a Josh Mandel or J.D. Vance and focusing on kitchen table issues. So and you got into this a little bit. Make your case for why your approach to basic economic issues would be better in your view than either of theirs, say. Well, it's it's very, very easy. Uh, uh, Sherry Brown and Tim Ryan are adopting the philosophy that you tax the rich, the job creators, the innovators, the investors in our country, so that you have more pro more money for social programs, i.e. keeping people from work. My agenda, the Republican agenda, would sell well throughout Ohio because we're for the working class. We're for getting people back to work and not creating uh, government incentives to stay at home. But where I am unique as to any other candidate is I'm the only one that can point to successful policies at Ohio's level that allow somebody to go to work in whatever capacity he or she wants. So if you want to follow a four-year degree, great. We have provided opportunities to keep the cost of four-year degrees low. But there are so many other jobs available that provide a great standard of living. Skilled manufacturing, the skilled trade. You can go into healthcare business and with an associate degree. We have worked hard in Ohio to get the employers, the universities, the community colleges, and the high schools together to make sure that anyone, anyone can get to a job and a career that will help them raise a family and have a great standard of living. That's the type of programs that I would bring to Washington. That's what I could sell unique to any of my other opponents, is I have done the things that help people raise their own lives. Now, would you, I mean, if you, let's say that you, you win, that would uh, go a long way towards flipping the Senate back to the Republicans, most likely, because obviously it's a narrow, well, it's as narrow as it can get right now, 50-50. Um, the House could still stay Democratic. It could also flip. Either way, you'd be coming into the middle of a Democratic administration. So what is your view on working across the aisle and avoiding gridlock as opposed to sort of, you know, do, doing some of the bomb throwing that doesn't necessarily accomplish a lot. Again, once again, I am the only one with the uh, can show experience where I have reached agreement and compromise without compromising conservative principles and conservative results. So again, look to what I've done in Ohio. Three times I've been in charge of the state budget. The most important document in the state of Ohio because it describes the priorities and what Ohio is going to be like. Three times I passed it. Three times I've gotten Republicans and Democrats to vote for it. One time I got uniformity, unanimous. So you can get it. It's about effort. It's about recognizing where there is a line of agreement. You work as hard as you can to focus on that. Example would be the infrastructure bill. Rob Portman surgically negotiated an infrastructure bill, which is essential to Ohio's growing economy. It was not the big monstrosity of the liberal wish list that everyone else was talking about. So there was an example where 
as a U.S. senator, I would say, look, Ohio needs that those infrastructure dollars because you invest government dollars in infrastructure, you get private sector return almost, you know, almost immediately. That's where you need to find areas of compromise. So Biden administration is going to be there for two more years. A lot of what I would be doing is stopping the bleeding at the same time, putting forth legislation that shows there's another path. It's not just yelling at them. It's saying, here's where we can go. If I can get people to join me, great. If we can't, then you work hard in 24 to get the White House back in Republican hands. But we've got an agenda already laid out so voters know what they're getting uh, when they elect us back into the White House. Now, all, all of the talk about these bread and butter issues, um, you are still, you would consider yourself a social conservative too, though, correct? I mean, on your on your website, there are sections about things like, um, you know, pro-Second Amendment, certainly. You also say that you want to ban critical race theory, which is something that's come up a lot in this race. In fact, I think every Republican candidate that I've talked to uh, in this series has mentioned that. Can you talk a little bit about what your understanding of critical race theory is and why you feel as an educational concept it should be banned? Well, first and foremost, in order to make sure that we are a strong economy, we got to make sure every single one of our children is educated in science, math, English, history, and prepared to go to work. So any deviation from that is, is a step backwards. Critical race theory, or all of its its you know various names, is not the right way to go because we never ever should decide that a kid's worth is based on their skin color. Equally, we never ever should say equality is wrong, but equality in result is damaging to a kid's ability to be him or her the best of him or herself. We want opportunity. There's no question we got to provide opportunity, and that's what we've done in Ohio. But when you teach that the results need to be equal, you have killed the American spirit. You have killed the individual nature saying, I am going to be better for myself, and I'm going to bring people with me. So any program that says your skin color determines your value, and any program that says the results need to be equal is damaging to kids and damaging to the kids' future. And that's why I would be against it. That's why we're going to get rid of it uh, appropriately in the, in the legislature. But also, I'm sorry to interrupt again, it's expanding school choice. It allows for families to take control of the decisions that are happening in the schools. So if the schools are finding different ways to do it, parents can take their kids and get the education where they feel it's best. But we've now we've spoken to some teachers who have said that they're they're concerned over these ideas of banning what the the language right before the legislature right now calls div divisive concepts that that it ties their hands that it's sort of a form of censorship. Can you give me an example of something a teacher wouldn't be allowed to say if you had your way? Yeah, that that because you're white you are, are an oppressor because you're black or brown you are oppressed, uh, okay. and, and any any of those. And, and no matter how you shape it, any of those messages, whether it's based on a, a different interpretation of history or straight out like that, is wrong, is wrong. So we need to make sure that the focus is everyone, no matter your skin color, no matter your race, no matter your sexual orientation, 
the American dream is available to you. And part of that dream includes a very competent education in the areas that you're going to need to succeed. So anything outside of that is not preparing our kids for the future. Look, most of how we behave towards each other needs to be taught at home. And the respect for an individual, again, irrespective of whatever their color is or, or the litany, that begins at home. And if, if we have an American society where our educators have to teach how to treat people, you know, we got some work to do at home. We got some work to do at home. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I, and I know it seems like I'm hitting this topic real hard here. I just I think it's a complex thing that uh, that is sort of boiled down to an oversimplification, which is why I like to boil down exactly where everybody stands. So you're not necessarily saying that because the, the concern that teachers come up with a lot is that there are historical facts that they're afraid they can't teach. And I'm talking just, you know, things that did happen, things like the history of segregation or the history of slavery, and the fact that there could potentially be lasting ripple effects. That's not what you're opposed to. You're opposed to more a specific one race is bad ideology. That's what you don't want being taught. Correct. Okay, that's I, I appreciate that. Now another thing, um, when you when you mentioned Northeast Ohio and the Great Lakes region, uh, um, is that in the Mahoning Valley in particular, um, you mentioned earlier uh, Lordstown. Um, we've got Lordstown Motors, hopefully, hopefully uh, churning out a product within the next week or so. They tell us. You've got the LTM battery plant uh, getting ready to start uh, supplying batteries for any number of vehicles and, and positioning itself to be the uh, the key uh, to GM's electric vehicle future. I want you to talk to me a little bit about the idea of what they call around here Voltage Valley and your thoughts on its viability and what you would do to make it successful. So, uh, yeah, in fact, I was going to lead that and say, well, they, you, you'll put a name to it, the Voltage Valley. Look, it's going to succeed because the Valley people want it to succeed. So the chamber, the business owners, the, uh, hopefully the government, but in some cases they're making it difficult to make it succeed. And how we can help at the state level and the federal level is remove the impediments to citing a business to making sure that local governments are working together, like in, like in the delivery of essential sewer and water. Let's not have local governments that's happening down there with Warren, with Lordstown, with Youngstown, all wanna get their cut of the delivery of water. What we need to do is say, look, if you want state investment in these essential programs, then we're not giving it to you unless you guys come together drive the cost of delivering those important services to the, to the businesses and not be an impediment because you mentioned the battery that has uh, spinoff companies that we can attract here to Ohio, but they're watching what we do matters. And if we are continuously fighting over regulations, over having to keep taxes low or worse, if we, if we create an environment where people don't think the legislator is going to stay true to, a, to their issues and pull the rug out from underneath them, which we have done in other areas, it's, 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 a, it's a, a wet blanket on growth. So 
the state and the federal government, where I could be helpful in both, is recognizing through my private sector experience, what are the impediments to growth and make sure government clears the, clears the lane so that it is a, such an attractive place to grow. But it starts at home and you guys have great leaders that I've been working with uh, to see this all the way through. Bernie Marino, one of your Republican opponents, uh, it has some suspicions that uh, going all in on electric vehicles might be short-sighted, and thinks that there should it thinks that hydrogen is really the future for uh, for green uh, energy uh, in, in the automotive market. And so he had told me that uh, he wants Lordstown to succeed, but that. As a senator, the first thing he would do is get uh, Mary Barra on the phone and basically try and hold GM accountable for their next facility should the EV future not work out. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that electric vehicles are the way to go? Well, I, I think electric vehicles, hydrogen vehicles, and something that hasn't even been invented yet that some very smart person's working on right now are the way of the future. So what do we need to do as Ohioans? We need to prepare. And that is, we have a lot of great companies that make combustible engines here in Ohio. And if we don't begin the process of retraining them, retooling them, instead of waiting till the, the, next, genera the next generation of vehicles comes and bam, we lose all that productivity. So it, it takes looking ahead and being visionary. So whether it's electric, whether it's hydrogen, or like I said, something un unknown, recognize where we are today and where do we want to be tomorrow and start that transition now so we don't lose hundreds and thousands of jobs because we're still making the buggy when the automobile is taking off. And that's what we, you know, that's what I bring to the legislature and I will bring to Washington is this idea that let's not just argue and throw bombs about the issues that happened two years ago. Let's think about where we want to be 20 years from now. Senator Matt Dolan, I appreciate your time, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again between now and the next, uh, well, <laughs> now and the yeah, next thank, issue that pops up as well as May, right? <laughs> Any, anytime. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate thank you it. very much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.